God has done in their life, and just uh, just thank the Lord God brought them our way, and and to see them to grow, and uh, just thank the Lord for them. So that was a blessing. So it's our honor tonight, mentioned this morning, to have uh, Brother Armacost with us, and uh, they're going to the place formerly known as Burma, and uh, that's a lot easier to say, so I don't mess that up. So and uh, but uh, again, uh, Lord's called them. I've known Brother Armacost for quite a while now, and. Uh, a lot of years, uh, 30, that's crazy, 30 years, we were both two when we met, and, uh, but, uh, no, um, uh, just, uh, very thankful for him, I can tell you this about Brother Armacost and his wife and his family, and, um, they're real, and, um, you know, I, they, they are so consistent, he loves the Lord. Their family serves the Lord. They love people. And um, I've known them for years, and they've never wavered on that. And uh, I am very thankful for them. I'm excited for what God's called them to do. And, uh, and they'll be leaving pretty soon uh, to head out that direction. So, uh, But uh, I'm so glad he could be with us. And uh, so, Brother Armacost, you come and uh, present uh, your ministry and bring the message for us tonight. But we're glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, good evening. Great to be here again uh, with you this evening. Enjoy the opportunity to share some thoughts in Sunday school. And uh, in just a moment, we'll show uh, about a five-minute uh, video that hopefully will give you a little bit more uh, information about the unique country of Myanmar, also known as Burma. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> just before that, I just mention it's good to have uh, here, yes, my wife is with me, and my daughter, Annette, and she'll be starting... Uh, drop her off tomorrow in Bible college, and I'll know what it's like now to have to drop your kids off at college and not be town students. That's going to be a challenge. Um, and also, my daughter-in-law, Bethany, is with us. And so this is a blessing. Um, my son, Levi, is over in Urbana, not too far from here. So we met up this afternoon, and we picked up Bethany and her son, our grandson, Jack. Uh, and uh, we're going to take them back to... Uh, Indiana with us tomorrow because Bethany's dad, who pastors in Anchorage, Alaska, is flying in tomorrow to preach the opening week uh, at the college. And so it's uh, a real blessing. Bethany and Jack will get to see um, dad and, and grandfather uh, next week. And so I'm glad to have Bethany here. My wife told me when she dropped, uh, <clears throat> when her and Bethany dropped, one of the two of them, dropped Jack off at the nursery with Mrs. Price, Sherry said, I watched Jack's dad, Levi, when he was a baby, when she was at college. So uh, we find that to be interesting, and we're thankful for the faithfulness of the Prices uh, as well. And I thought that was an interesting uh, thing. So it's a generational thing uh, there for, for that. But... Um, I just want to mention a couple other things. Thank you for the hospitality. Really enjoyed lunch. Really enjoyed lunch with Pastor and Mrs. Burke. So it was our first time at a Skyline Chili proper, uh, but we've had the recipe a lot. The pastor's uh, wife that my wife grew up under, she was originally from Cincinnati. And so they had a recipe, and they made that uh, Cincinnati chili, she called it, at home a lot, and passed it on to Jennifer. And so several times each winter, we were greeted by a treat when we came home after a long, cold Saturday, maybe out visiting or something. And it was 
what we would call Cincinnati chili or skyline chili and had been cooking all day long in the crock pot and we enjoyed that. So first time at the actual place, hopefully not our last, but we had a great time. And I want to thank Pastor Burke also. He said, you're not going to make it without splattering that white shirt. So put something on top, grab one of those bibs and you know what? We, we looked down after the meal. He said, take a look down. I mean, I'd have had, you know, birdshot all over me. Skyline chili birdshot. So um, listen to your pastor. He, he knows what's best for you on many levels. And uh, so we're grateful for that. I had a great time. And also, um, we passed through here a couple years ago. Um, my wife's grandfather, uh, who lives in southern West Virginia, had passed away we're on our way that they set the funeral up for monday at 10 a.m so we left our morning service in indiana and straight to the car and and got in here uh, just in time for the preaching i believe it's really the halfway point between uh where we needed to go and um but i'll just say the renovations look great uh, the the auditorium was really beautiful and uh, excited to see uh, what the Lord's doing. It's always always an encouragement, always encouragement to to be here, but also to spend time with Pastor Burke and um, cert- certainly someone that I consider a friend. And um, that's the best thing I think I could say about that. In just a moment here, again, we'll show this video. I just say one thing about that before we do. It starts with a quote. And the quote at the start of the video I just want to mention is from the wife of the first Baptist missionaries there to Burma, which was Adoniram and Ann Judson. Uh, They're um, notable. There's been a lot of books written about them. Uh, But Ann, his first wife, who passed away in her mid-30s due to the circumstances that they were in over there, she regularly communicated with the churches in the states about the need for missionaries. And uh, her appeals went a long way toward many other missionaries going to Burma after the Judsons. It was quite a missionary team that uh, in time was there. But the quote that's taken is from her communication to churches in the states about the type of men that they needed to come to the mission field. And I find that very interesting. You get a little bit of the spirit of her and her husband and the work there in Burma. And uh, <clears throat> we'll uh, show this and then uh, talk a little bit more about uh, the country uh, when we come back up. Seeking the mind of the Lord for his life solidified his call. 
I'm Dan Armacost. This is my wife, Jennifer. The Lord has blessed us to be able to serve together Fairhaven Baptist Church and College for the past 30 years. God's also blessed our family with four children and one grandson. I count it a privilege to have been raised in a Christian home, a Christian home that was missions-minded. My dad took several missions trips when I was growing up to the Philippines and to Romania. I remember that. And my wife's parents visited regularly the missionaries that their church supported and housed them when they were back home on furlough. About three years ago, the Lord really began to burden my heart about the country of Burma. I was able to take a missions trip there with my son, came back, spent a lot of time in prayer, seeking the Lord's will, and felt certain of the call to go to the country of Burma. And in May 2022, Jennifer and I were able to go together to the country, see the people, and be reminded of the great need, how we look forward to getting back to Burma and getting into the Lord's work in that country. Myanmar is also called Burma. Its neighbors are China to the north, India to the west, and Thailand to the east. Unfortunately, over the last couple hundred years, Burma has gone through a series of really difficult times. Um, as a result, there's a couple hundred thousand Burmese that actually live in the United States. Uh, there are about 600,000 Burmese that uh, live as migrant workers in neighboring Thailand. And about 300,000 Burmese are located in refugee camps in the bordering countries. The work of Adoniram Judson and the churches that he's planted can still be seen today really throughout the country. However, most of the work of Judson, the churches that he planted, have sadly succumbed years ago to the liberal theology that the denomination, the Baptist denomination, fell into. As a result, there is a desperate need today and really an opportunity to start independent, Bible-believing, New Testament Baptist churches throughout the country of Burma. 1 John 2.2 points out that the Lord Jesus Christ is a propitiation not just for our but also for the sins of the whole world. The opportunity that we have is to go to Burma's largest city, Yangon, sometimes also called Rangoon, and serve there in the Bethany Baptist Church. While learning the language, we'll have the opportunity to serve in the orphanage, to work in their ACE Christian school, as well as to teach in the Bible Institute. Despite the challenging difficulties uh, in the country, there is just a wonderful opportunity, I believe, to see young men taught and trained and sent out throughout the country. There's an opportunity to plant independent Baptist churches among a people that are in a very difficult situation, but hungry and open to the Word of God and to the hope of eternal life. Buddhism is the dominant religion in Myanmar, and its effects are seen really throughout all the culture. And so it's into this world that we follow Christ's command in Mark 16, 15. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Luke 2.10 talks about good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. 
but we understand that the tidings are only good and the joy is only great if the people that don't know the Lord hear that message in time. May we all value and use the short time that we have left on this earth to serve our Lord Jesus Christ. How we covet your prayers for the Lord's work in the country of Myanmar. That gives you a little uh, picture of what uh, the country is like. We put together a website just so we could put pictures and videos from uh, Myanmar there um, and all of our pictures that we took when we were there and many other videos around the country um, on our websites listed on the back of our prayer card there. You're welcome to look through that. Um, some interesting places for sure there, a place where Judson started his first church. But another place I like to talk about is about eight hours north of Yangon is an area um, <clears throat> that's called Inwe. And uh, just um, outside of Inwe, there's a, a cross marker. There used to be a large stone that was a marker for this. There's a cross marker at a place where Judson spent nearly two years in prison. The prison that he was at was really described as a death prison. Uh, few of the prisoners there came out alive. The Lord used the sacrificial labor of his wife, Anne, to keep him alive uh, in the most difficult circumstances. But not only that, he had started the translation of the scriptures, and Anne smuggled in uh, his work into a pillowcase. And so for those months in prison, he secretively continued that translation work, and um, he got out of prison, had to do a couple more months of work for the government, be it a translator between the Burmese and the English as they settled the, uh, uh, the details of the war that they had just come out of. And in that time away from home, uh, tragically for, for Judson, Anne passed away. And then a few months later, their third daughter, or their third child, a girl, Maria, also passed away. And by that time, that was the third child that the Judsons had lost. They had a stillborn child on the way from India to Burma. They had eight-month-old Roger Williams Judson, who died uh, there in their home, and then Maria. And this put Judson, understandably so, into, um, well, he withdrew from public activity for about a year um, and was in deep despair. And actually at that time, he destroyed communications uh, that he had had uh, between the states and between he and, he and Anne uh, through that time and just was extremely down. But one thing that he stayed at was that Bible translation. And then several years later, I believe it was in the early 1830s, he completed the entire translation of the scriptures into Burmese. And in time... The Lord brought him through that dark time, and uh, uh, the Lord brought a, a widowed um, missionary lady into his life, uh, and uh, he married Sarah Boardman, and uh, the Lord blessed them with many children, 
and uh, the, pro- the product of the faithfulness of Judson, I keep back on my table, and that is the Judson Bible. It's the Judson Burmese Bible, still used today uh, by the faithful churches there in the country. And uh, it's a gift that many people in, uh, around the world still don't have, a complete Bible. And if it wasn't for God's sustaining grace and really a man who just claimed God's promises and decided that he was going to stay faithful, then Burma very well could be a country that also didn't have a Bible. And so I, I keep this back there just as a reminder of staying faithful uh, to the Lord and uh, trusting God uh, in sometimes circumstances that are beyond our ability to maybe see out of. Um, but the Lord used uh, Judson and the, he actually used the testimony of him and what he endured there, interestingly enough, to call many people to go to that mission field. And uh, isn't that how the Lord uh, works sometimes? Um, <clears throat> so it's a blessing again to spend um, some time there with my oldest son back about four years ago. And uh, we had a, a wonderful time there and uh, came back from that trip and uh, told my wife, I said, uh, we've got to do something for this country. It reminded me of when uh, the Iron Curtain fell uh, just uh, when I was in college and missionaries from the former Soviet countries came over and said, come over and help. Now's a great opportunity. Now's the time. And similar that Myanmar would have been a, had a similar situation back uh, beginning in about 2012 and we saw that there and we, we, we met several national pastors and they were very excited because there were some large groups of churches that were going over on uh, two or three week trips we were sitting at lunch with the man that we're going to uh, work with our first year Pastor Tong and I'll never forget him looking at my son and I and he said this we're so grateful we are deeply grateful for the people that come and visit but our prayer here is from, for some to come and stay. That's one of the many things the Lord used uh, in my heart. So we came back, and uh, I talked with Jennifer, and, and then we uh, coordinated a three-week missions trip, just guys, <clears throat> to go there. The plan was to go in August of 2020. And so we started off 2020 with uh, plans January, February, we had uh, eight or nine uh, guys lined up to go, and uh, we were really looking forward to that. And then March 2020 took place, and that trip got put uh, definitely on hold. But the Lord, th- through that winter and into that time, was really working on my heart. And I knew that he was. Um, and what he was working on my heart was that uh, this time it's not those guys, it's, it's you. And so I, I prayed about that um, a lot individually for several months. And then one day coming back from trying to do bus visiting during COVID <laughs> on a Saturday, I said, it's, uh, Lord, give me strength. I'm going to talk to my wife about something that I'm going to have a hard time getting this out of my mouth because it's going to be a surprise and a shock to her. And so coming back through, I remember that we, we, we laugh a little bit about the place uh, where I actually told her about that. And at first, because we like to laugh and joke a little bit in our, in our, uh, among ourselves, she laughed. 
And then I, and when I didn't, she knew that was not a joke. And so um, I said, but, but I want you to pray about this too. We're in this together. And uh, so we did. And we started to just pray regularly together. And then just to listen in our devotions and in sermons um, for through the word of God, for God's guidance and reassurance in this matter. So we decided we would pray for several months together as well. And during that time, I kept a, I'm not super great technologically, so I just grabbed, a, you remember the steno pads that look like this? Just remember that back in the day, the steno pads? I grabbed a steno pad, and I'll put this, probably type it up one day, but for now I'm just leaving it like this. Um, I just started to write things the Lord was doing and things uh, through scriptures that he said to us and then we would talk about them so this isn't applicable to many churches but here so I'll just read this entry from early in fall of 2020 I mentioned in Sunday school Pastor Burke came out to preach um, our opening week and our stewardship banquet I believe was tied in with that during one of those messages uh, he preached from Song of Solomon, which you don't usually hear messages from Song of Solomon. That was unique. So I'm listening. Jennifer's listening. It so happened that in my Bible reading schedule, I read the exact same passage that he preached from that, that night in my devotions that morning. And in this message, he brought out the point of the lady that delayed to go to the door in response to her Lord's knock, and so he left. And then, in the message, he said, if God has called you to the mission field, surrender. Don't delay when he knocks. I'm grabbing my steno pad, getting my pen out, and writing that down very quickly. So we went home that night, and as we had done several times up to that point, that was like entry 27 along the way here, uh, Jennifer and I talked about that. And then um, the next service, um, <clears throat> the um, text was Isaiah 6-8, Whom will I ascend and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Also happened to be, of course, Song of Solomon. Right after that is the book of Isaiah. That was next up for my reading. And I heard it uh, in my personal Bible reading, and then I heard it preached again. These are the little things along the way that the Lord used to um, validate uh, his call in our life toward this country of Burma, and we're grateful for uh, this uh, opportunity. The national pastor that we met there serves, as the video said, in the city of Yangon. It used to be called Rangoon, but it's like taking Los Angeles and Phoenix and putting them together. That's the population here of, a, of that city alone. The country has about 55 million people, so it comes in about the 27th most populous country in all the world. Beginning in 1962, missionaries 
uh, were expelled from the country. And now, just recently, there's a window of opportunity, an effectual door with many adversaries, for sure, but effectual door is open, and we're grateful for that opportunity to get into uh, this, to this country. We uh, are looking toward the last Tuesday in January to uh, move over and to get started there uh, in the work. And uh, we're praying toward that end and certainly seems to be on track for that to uh, take place. We'll uh, work on the language, uh, the Burmese language, and uh, it's a different looking script. And uh, there's uh, some different nuances about the language that uh, present challenges, but that comes with the territory. Um, but we're grateful that the church that we'll start with and learn under um, has a school, an ACE school. And so part of the day will be in language learning. The other part of the day will be interacting with the children and putting into practice and letting them laugh at us when we completely mispronounce most words. Um, so uh, we're grateful that uh, it won't just be um, two or three years inside of a university classroom. Uh, and we'll be able to combine ministry uh, with language learning and, and integrate those two things. Another blessing, I put these back on our table, is we came across this about six months ago. There's a good pastor here in the States that has had for years a burden for the Burmese people. So he's done several, a number of short trips over there. And in the process has really gotten to know a few of the national pastors there real well. And together they would witness in one trip over there, they had extended periods of witnessing to a Buddhist monk. And this Buddhist monk, as opposed to others, when they came to the point of one God and one way to heaven, continued to listen. Many of the Burmese people are very friendly. It's, 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 it's sort of in their culture to be friendly and definitely to defer to the, to the elderly uh, in their culture, in particular in their families. And so very friendly uh, people. But when it comes down to there's only one way to heaven, that runs contrary, of course, to Buddhism, which is... Uh, in the culture of and the belief of so many there. This monk listened and continued to listen. And in time, they were able to see this Buddhist monk come to know the Lord as Savior. And so the pastor came back and he said, I want to I follow up on that and write a gospel track, not just a short track, but a lengthy track that tells a little bit of this man's story, but then uh, talks about our God and how he reveals himself in general to all creation, lights every man that comes into the world, John 1, but then comes down, continues down to uh, Jesus Christ, the way, truth, and the life. And so he did that and uh, found a uh, track printing ministry here that uh, has printed this, you call it a gospel booklet, a kind of extended track called The True Enlightenment. Of course, Buddhists are looking for enlightenment. This is the true enlightenment. So it's a kind of extensive and a 16 page. And, and uh, we've got, a, got a, um, this track company send us a big box of them. Of course, there's many more of them. But I try to just mention this in churches uh, that we've gone to, that if you know someone who may be following an Eastern religion or even Buddhism in, in, in specific, um, I'm 
have a lot of these at home. I have quite a few back by the table. Please take them if you think you could use them, and we can always get more. And um, we are at a church just outside of New York City a few weeks back, and pastor said, I, I run into these people that have that belief regularly. And uh, so we praise the Lord for that. If that can be of some help, feel free to take the true enlightenment. But furthermore, Pastor Tong in Yangon took the same track and translated it into Burmese. And they found a printer right there in Yangon that's printing these for seven cents a copy. And not only that, he's willing to warehouse extra so that there always is boxes and boxes of these gospel booklets ready to go. So in the last six, seven months, several um, hundred thousand of these have been distributed. And uh, we look forward to continuing that. And we don't even have to know the language to put a big smile on our face. Give them the Mingala Ba, Burmese greeting, and uh, ask them to read this gospel booklet. And so we're grateful also for that opportunity while we're learning the language that we can, can get these gospel booklets out. So some real blessings uh, that we're uh, thankful for that uh, have, have, opened, uh, have opened up. Burmese, um, the Burma, Burmese people make up about 70% of the population, the people that live in, within Myanmar. The other 30% um, are about 134 different people groups. And so it's a unique country. Um, most do know Burmese, but there's some still that uh, are waiting for a Bible in their own language and uh, even have some of their own uh, differing religions, even from Buddhism. So a unique uh, country uh, for sure uh, in that way. Uh, a couple last things here I just would mention. We did put bring some books with us. Uh, to put on our back table, not for sale, but just so you can look through them. There's a great Baptist missions heritage in the country of Burma, and several of the books will describe that. The classic book probably is To the Golden Shore um, by Courtney Anderson that tells the story of uh, Judson from a young boy until uh, he passed away in his 60s. But uh, there's a couple others there as well that might be of interest. One's called Baptists in Burma, and also one I mentioned in Sunday school, Pioneer Trails, Trials, and Triumphs, tells the story of Arthur and Laura Carson, who went to the remote Chin Hills portion of Burma and saw nearly an entire people group turn from idols to serve the true and living God. It's a wonderful blessing, encouragement, a challenge uh, to read uh, that. So they're back there if you're interested in books. We also put those on our website. Try to put just some good resources out there that might encourage further reading, missions, biographies, and things I think are great for us, for our kids, for our families. Um, so grab a prayer card if you'd like, um, and uh, we would uh, and, and appreciate um, that. This evening, I'd like to look at uh, Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs chapter 24. And uh, here in Proverbs 24, will not be long, but I'd like to look at um, <clears throat> the last verses here of this chapter, beginning in verse 30. Proverbs 24. Beginning in verse 30, 
the Bible says this, And I went by the field of the slothful, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns, and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. This is the key verse for our message tonight, verse 32. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. The first three verses that we read there describe two areas that should have been very, very fruitful uh, and, and a blessing uh, to not just the farmer and the husbandman, the keeper of the vineyard, but a blessing to many others. But instead, these two places were first off in verse 31, grown over with thorns. And secondly, nettles had covered the face thereof. And then lastly, even the wall, the barrier wall that set apart that place uh, was broken down. And in this account, the writer sees it and he thinks about it. He considers it. He looked upon it and he received instruction. Just seeing that neglected field taught him some things. And so this evening, briefly, I would like to consider from this passage and a few others the danger of neglect. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together in your house. Lord, I thank you for this church, Lord, and its love for each other, its love for the lost and its immediate area. Lord, its desire to see churches planted in its Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And then, Lord, certainly its reach to the uttermost. So we pray, Lord, here and look into your word this evening. I pray that we would, similarly to the writer, take instruction. If there's some area in our, our life that you bring to our mind that's been neglected and needs tended to, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Here's a brief essay. Can you name me? I was never guilty of wrong action, but on my account, lives have been lost, trains have been wrecked, ships have gone down at sea, cities have burned, battles have been lost, and governments have failed. I never struck a blow, nor spoke an unkind word, but because of me, homes have been broken up, friends have grown cold, the laughter of children has ceased, wives have shed bitter tears, brothers and sisters have forgotten each other, and fathers and mothers have gone brokenhearted down to their graves. I have intended no evil, but because of me, talent and genius have come to nothing. Courtesy and kindness have failed, and the promise of success and happiness has yielded sorrow and disaster. I have no sound but my silence, no children except grief and disaster. You may not on the instant call me by name, but surely you are personally acquainted with me. I am neglect. 
couple, uh, well, it was about a year ago, uh, our family was out in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And uh, we had been out there for a family camp, really enjoyed our time. And then uh, that camp, I believe, ended Friday morning. And Friday afternoon, we drove to uh, some friends uh, from college. We're also out there at the same time. We're going to spend Friday evening together and have a cookout. We had a great time. Five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock. We were having a wonderful time there at that cookout. Things were slowing down. Uh, he had some kids, and I had my kids with me, and I was really into uh, the book 1776 at the time, and uh, really <clears throat> being blessed by reading that, the account of what took place in American history in that year. So I pulled out a GPS, and I just wondered, how far is Lancaster from McConkie's Ferry, where Washington crossed the Delaware? I mean, I've never seen that before. And I would love to see that. And so I looked, and it was a mere two hours. It was just a little bit after 8 o'clock. And then a dangerous thing happened. My mind started to roll. And then another dangerous thing happened. I suggested to my wife what was going on in my mind. My wife looked at me. By this time in our life, you know, it's just body language. We can just read we can read the room by just the mere look. She goes, she starts shaking her head. A couple things came out of her mouth. Number one, I, you're going to do that without me. And number two, I know I'm not going to talk you out of it, so you might as well ask. And so I gathered the kids together. I said, who wants to go to Washington's Crossing? And they said, tonight? I said, tonight. And so before long... I had a van full of kids. They were happy. I was happy. My wife was nestled safe in the place where we were staying at, and she was happy. It was win-win across the board. So away we went. We got in the van. It's probably 8.30. We had two hours. We got to McConkie's Ferry. It's pitch dark. We're looking for the encampments. If anybody's ever been there, I, but we're looking for, you can't see anything. The parks even getting around there are closed, but what wasn't closed was the bridge going across the Delaware. And so I dropped the kids. There's five or six of them in the car, five or six, something like that. Annette toughed it out with me. And I said, okay, guys, here's your chance. You're crossing the Delaware just like Washington did in 1776, Christmas. So they walk across the bridge, and I drove the car into New Jersey and I'm waiting by the bridge while I'm waiting for them to walk across they're having a great time a policeman turns his lights on pulls pulls up beside me and said what are you doing here it's 10:45 at night I said sir I, this might sound strange but I came two hours to let my kids cross the Delaware he goes okay park over there in a designated spot please and he shook his head walked away I'm like I'm striking out with the adults they're all shaking their head at me but the kids are loving it and so they got across into New Jersey and of course I'm explaining what happened now Washington he took his troops south and they had several miles to go and the other two groups crossed at different places but they couldn't get across it looked dire for I mean Americans, uh, the, the, the cause of the war hung in the balance of this. It was a bold, brave move. And so uh, we, we did that. And then I explained to them that uh, it shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have been a success. 
But the Hessians who were guarding Trenton at that time were being led by Colonel Rawl, R-A-H-L. And he received an envelope. And they handed it to him while he was playing cards and drinking on Christmas night with his Hessian uh, army, uh, Hessian soldiers. And he took that envelope, and rather than opening it up and reading it, he put it in his pocket and thought he'd get to that envelope after the card game was done. They were having fun after all, and it was Christmas. He neglected that envelope to the detriment of his small um, outpost, his guys, and his own life. Colonel Rall died that night. Washington's army made their way down. It was almost daybreak by the time they got there, almost the time that we were there. Uh, made, made his way down there, and Rall and the Hessians were overrun by Washington's army, and it was just enough, just enough to tell the, uh, the, the freedom fighters that, you know what, we can do this. We can beat them. And it wasn't a huge victory, but it was a moral victory that they took with them through that wintertime. And a lot of it pointed to the neglect of one man to heed a warning just in time. Well, that's all for that illustration. But I will finish off by saying, after we crossed the Delaware, I looked at the kids and said, who wants to see Independence Hall? Hey, why not? So why not drive into downtown Philadelphia at about, I don't know, 1230 in the morning? What could go wrong? So we drove them down, and they got their picture by Independence Hall. And we had a two-hour drive back. The kids were getting hungry, and I didn't want that. So I said, who's had a real authentic Philadelphia cheesesteak before? No, we haven't. Oh, so we go off to Pat's and Geno's uh, right downtown Philly. You know what? Everything else might be dangerous, but you're safe if you're at a cheesesteak uh, place in Philadelphia at 1230 in the morning. We can attest to that. So we went back, and now they have a great story of adventure to tell. And my wife can't share that story. She, and she said, it's okay. <laughs> the story of neglect cost the Hessians that victory and cost many lives. Here in our passage, neglect has cost this field and this vineyard the ability to produce what it was meant to produce. It wasn't um, sabotage. It wasn't arson. It wasn't uh, some deliberate act. It was simply neglect. Neglect can sneak up into us and onto us and into our lives so subtly, which is, I think, why we have in this passage the reminder to consider these things, to consider the areas of our life that we have responsibility for or even opportunities with and make certain that the most important things in life are not being neglected, often at the expense of things that just really aren't that important. And so as we mentioned here in our passage, there is this Bible truth of this field that was neglected. I'd like to remind us about what took place during the reign of King Josiah. And King Josiah is a young man, young boy, actually, when he comes to reign at age eight. And by age of 16, 
I believe largely through the faithful preaching of Jeremiah, Josiah took a look at the temple of God in Jerusalem and saw it was in a situation of complete disrepair. It had been neglected. And not only had the temple of God been neglected, but the scriptures had been neglected as well. As we mentioned this morning, those so often go hand in hand, neglecting God's house and neglecting God's word. And so he said, I'm going to do something about that. And so he said, we're going to clean up the temple. We're going to repair it. And, in, and, and as we do that, and when we've done that, we're also going to read God's word and obey it carefully. We're not going to neglect it anymore. God gave us those words for us to live by. So we're going to do something about that. So he, I think demonstrates the truth of our text here when he looked at that temple and he saw it wasn't being used for what it was built to be used for and he did something about it proverbs 29 let's look there real quickly in our bible we see the field was neglected we see the temple was neglected but in proverbs 29 this is a kind of a chilling verse to me someone else is neglected here in this verse Proverbs 29 15 the rod and reproof give wisdom but a child left to himself could we understand that to be a child that is neglected bringeth his mother to shame neglecting our children the Lord uh, <clears throat> drove this truth home to me vividly one day as years ago. Our oldest daughter, Juliana, got married th several weeks ago, and uh, we're grateful for that. Took the different kids with me visiting through the years. It was a blessing. We had a family bus route. We, we loved that. And different Saturdays, different ones would go with me. Julie went with me one day. She was maybe eight. And Julie likes conversation. And I'm sure in her little mind, all day with dad meant all day with me talking to dad. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. But for some reason, that day, we'd visited a lot of kids, and we had a 30-minute drive home. There was a baseball game on the radio that, for some reason, I, in my mind, decided was more important to listen to than to answer my daughter's questions, and she had a lot on her mind. A lot of times, kids do. That's why the Lord gives them parents, to help them through those times and to talk with them. But on that day, for some reason, baseball, I, w I hate to even say it, for some reason that day, baseball was more important to me. And she picked that up, and so she stopped talking. And if this is important, I guess I'll just listen along with Dad. Well, that was Saturday, <clears throat> and every Saturday night at our church, we have men's prayer meetings, same time as you all, 8 o'clock, and came together to pray. I'm praying there for the services tomorrow with just a small group of men. And partway through that prayer, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, got me good and brought that back to my mind vividly well the groups broke up and went back to their homes but I did not go home 
that evening was a long night and i needed it to be a long night i just kind of walked around my office there pacing i don't cry a lot i cried a lot that night and said lord please forgive me for in essence treating a baseball game more important than my time with my daughter those times won't last real real long and I understand sometimes if we've got a chatterbox for a kid, sometimes it helps us to guide them and say, you know, you don't have to talk all the time. And when you get out and talk to other people, they're going to, you want to come up for air sometime too? I understand that, but that wasn't the case that day. That was me with misplaced priorities. And this verse came to my mind. Child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. And I just pray, Lord... Next time, from here on out, please help me to follow through with this commitment. If I'm driving down the road with kids, somebody wants to talk, and I have the radio or something else on, that I'll just turn that off. Turn that off. I don't ever want to go through that again. I'm sure I've failed in that way. But the Lord wanted me to think and consider something in my life that was a potential danger, and that was neglecting our children. Of course, in this context, it's talking about a rod and reproof. It's talking about overlooking things that we need to deal with. And so certainly to overlook things that need dealt with uh, is neglect and can bring a mother to shame. But, but it, it also can be spending time and talking and, and understanding priorities in life. And certainly as much as I enjoy baseball uh, or other sports to an extent, that's not the priority. And so we do well as parents to consider the gift and the opportunity that our children are for us and to not neglect them. Turn, if you would, to Colossians chapter 4 and verse 17. Another thing in our lives that uh, we are warned against uh, neglecting is our ministries. And Paul had a co-worker named Archippus that... Uh, needed some reproof. And so in Colossians chapter 4, verse 17, he instructs uh, the church at Colossae to address Archippus in, in this way, verse 17, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Archippus, take heed to your ministry. Don't neglect it. Don't take it for granted. Don't get into a rut. Don't just show up on Sunday morning and stand up before the kids or the teens or whatever ministry the Lord has allowed you to be a part of. Don't go through the motions. Don't neglect it. If we neglect it, things that are neglected fall into a state of disrepair. And so when we do something repeatedly, because we should do it repeatedly, the danger is that it just becomes habit and we put it on autopilot and we show up like Samson thought he was going to do after he neglected uh, his vow to the Lord. And finally it crossed the line where he had no more strength because he just assumed. And we sure do not want to assume in something so important as our ministries. Because ministries deal with souls and souls hang in the balance and in this world 
There's everything working against a person uh, living a godly life or getting answers uh, for their spiritual needs. Uh, and the world's got a lot of things to tell them about this life, but people need to hear what the Lord's answers are for them and about their spiritual life and about eternal life. God's word uh, being real to them. And that is in danger of, of losing its effect if we neglect just neglect to seek the Lord and to pray and uh, to be ready each time that the Lord uses us in some ministry, not to neglect it. And so we do well to take a look at our response to the house of God and the word of God and to our children and to our ministries and make certain that they're not being neglected. Instead, that they're being tended to, cared for, and loved. The opposite of neglect, to tend to, to care for, and to love. In Matthew 25, we won't turn there, but this is the parable of the talents. One man chose to neglect the opportunity that God gave to him. He instead hid his talent in a napkin and never moved forward never stepped out in faith in uh, a little bit of risk in order to put his Lord's money to work. And so he was called a wicked servant as a result of that because he hid the talent. He hid that time of opportunity away and did nothing with it. It was neglected. And before he knew it, the Lord was back. And that's the same way it is with us. Before we know it, the Lord will be back or we'll meet him in heaven before we know it. Last Sunday, we were at a church up in Alaska. And uh, the night before, at about 8 o'clock Saturday night, I got a message from someone back at our church and said, did you hear about a, a man who... Uh, we were in school with, taught some, mid-40s. He was actually in Alaska uh, with his family, um, and uh, they were on a vacation. And he and his son got caught up in a current by a, a waterfall, and his son was struggling, so Dad jumped in after him. And son eventually made it to shore, but Dad did not. And this man mid-40s, younger than me, who we knew well. He was a hearty guy, loved the Lord. He is in heaven now. His funeral is going to be on Friday. The Lord will bring those things into our life, these surprising things. And if we just let them pass by without looking on those things and considering them, we can lose, I think, some of what the Lord wants us to remember, and that is the fact that our opportunities to live for Him and to serve Him don't last forever. They don't even last long. And so how important it is to care for, to tend to, to pay attention to the opportunities that God brings into our life and that we grab a hold of them before they simply pass by. Lastly, we know this. The Bible asks, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? 
Many people don't reject God, reject Jesus Christ. They just do what we heard preached this morning. Almost or later, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Hebrews 2.3. And so <clears throat> many people, these Hebrew Christians, were not rejecting God's salvation. They just were neglecting it. But sadly enough, the end result, as we heard again preached this morning, almost gets you to the same place as no does. And neglecting a field gets you to the same place as someone that comes in and just destroys it. The end result is there's no fruit either way. Well, one person's motives weren't wrong. They just got into a bad habit or let neglect creep in. And so, in Proverbs 24, we're admonished to follow the example of the man who saw this, and he considered it, and he received instruction from it. And so simply this night, uh, tonight, my question for you, or my uh, recommendation for all of us, is to just take a look at these very important areas of our life and ask the Lord, am I neglecting one of these areas? Am I neglecting my Bible reading? Am I neglecting faithfulness and involvement in, in church? Am I somehow neglecting what I should be doing and having that zeroed in focus on my family? Husbands on your wives. Wives on husbands. Fathers on your children. Am I neglecting opportunities that I know the Lord has put before me? Is my ministry stale? And if you're here tonight and don't know the Lord as your Savior, are you neglecting His wonderful gift of salvation? We'll have a time of invitation, and that'll be a time for us to just think in, uh, through our lives. It's rare when I start to think through my life that there's not something that the Lord says, you know, here's an area. Before it gets any worse, or maybe it's really bad right now, let's turn neglect into care and attention and love so that we don't suffer the consequences of neglect. Heavenly Father, we